You're listening to. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to. Sex gets real. Sex gets real. Sex gets real. Sex gets real. With Don Sarah. With Don Sarah. Thanks. Bye. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Sex Gets Real. I usually record the interviews weeks ahead of time, just so that I always make sure I have content ready to go and I'm not super stressed. But then I record these little intros, usually a few days ahead of the episode going live, so that just in case there's any like major news going on, I can fit it in in the intro or talk to you about it a little bit. But inevitably, I always find myself so late on a Saturday night, like naked and huddled under the comforter trying to record this before I go to bed, which is where I find myself today. So there you have it. This week's episode is a chat with Christopher Zyshag, who you probably know as Danny Wild. He was a performer in the adult industry for a number of years. And we talk all about his book, The Wolves That Live in Skin and Space, and how kind of like creepy and disturbing his writing is, and how it kind of takes uh, bits of his experience as a porn performer and a sex worker, and then kind of twists it into these really like chilling, dark uh, stories that he puts out. And so it's a really fun conversation of us just kind of geeking out about his experiences in porn and where he's at now with creating and using his body and what it's like to kind of exit out of sex work and some of the stigma that comes with that, which all of you know, because you've been listening to the show and also why he's so happy to be in a monogamous relationship right now. That's not really kinky or really out there and what that means to him. So before we jump into the interview, I just want to remind you, you can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash sex gets real. You can't search for the show there because it's sexually, it's sexual content according to them. And so you actually have to type in the URL and every single dollar matters so much. And I appreciate it tremendously. I'm going to be having another um, little secret online party get together for Patreons in the next couple of weeks. So be sure to pop over there if you want to hang out and enjoy some time together online with some live chats. And of course, I have my every other week online hangout that you can join for Sex is a Social Skill. There's links at the website for this episode, which is sexgetsreal.com slash EP176. I also have a whole bunch of in-person workshops going on here in Vancouver over the next couple of months. So be sure if you're in the area to check those out. So let me tell you a little bit about Christopher or Chris and we'll get started. So Christopher Zyshag is a writer, musician, and filmmaker who spent eight years working in the adult industry as performer Danny Wilde. He's the author of two novels, Come to My Brother and The Wolves That Live in Skin and Space, and has contributed to the feminist porn book, Best Sex Writing, Coming Out Like a Porn Star, Split Lips, and a variety of digital publications such as Some Such and Nerve. His industrial metal band, Children, released their second EP, The Circle Narrows, through records ad nauseum in 2015. He became the face of Wildfire Hot Sauce in 2016, which we totally talk about towards the end of our chat, and it's wonderful, delightful, and funny. And Zyshag lives in Los Angeles with his two cats, Victoria and Isis, which all of you know, I love that his cats are in the bio. So here we are talking all about porn, writing, hot sauce, and everything in between. Welcome to Sex Gets Real, Chris. I'm very excited to talk to you today. Uh, Hey, thanks for having me. You're welcome. So we got connected because Julia from Rare Bird Books, who I've actually interviewed for the show 
um, sent me a copy of your book, The Wolves That Live in Skin and Space. And also let me know that you've got a new book coming out uh, that's called, is it called Body to Job? Yeah, Body to Job. Yeah. And so um, I'm really excited we get a chance to talk. Your stuff is so dark and gritty and like kind of a head fuck because it's so real until it's not. And yeah, I'd just love to know kind of, um, let's start with the wolves that live in skin and space. Like what was it for you about writing that story that felt really important? Um, well, well that story in particular is fiction, but it's sort of loosely based on a period of my uh, career as an adult performer. And I think that while I was writing that, or at least shortly before, I had been very involved in kind of um, pro-porn activism or like feminist porn stuff. And, and I felt maybe a little bit burnt out on the constantly like portraying the industry in a really positive light whereas i think what well like parts of that are like totally valid and and i'm not like uh regretting doing any of that there's a lot there's kind of like a lot of emotional turmoil that can go on at the same time uh while you're a sex worker and i feel like the best way for me to kind of deal with that, at least in my work, is through through fiction. Um, so I kind of take things that are real and exaggerate them uh, to kind of a pretty far degree in maybe, a, in maybe the canon of like horror or things like that, just because those are like the genres that I've been drawn to growing up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was... It was interesting because my husband read your book first and then I read it and, and it was, it was, I think like one of the things that was so interesting for me was there was so much of the book that was clearly based on your personal experiences, little tidbits that offered these um, little peaks inside of the industry. You know, like I know there's just this tiny little line in the book kind of talking about the stigma of being uh, a male porn performer who does porn with men also doing porn with women and kind of that bisexual terrible stigma that exists in the industry and and just all these moments of of realness that I think made the horror of the story a lot more stomach churning because there was elements of of realness and reality throughout that made it just real enough that it was kind of like, oh God, this is going to go terrible places. Um, but it was just so well written and moving. And um, yeah, you ha- you definitely have a gift for storytelling that pulls you in and then makes you feel very uncomfortable things. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, well, in regards to the the bisexual stuff. I don't really know if you've gone into that with, with your listeners before, but there's just this, there's a real separation in the adult industry. Um, at least when I was in it and I'm pretty sure it still exists that like, if you're a a male performer, uh, particularly a cis male performer, you, you either do gay porn or you do straight porn. And if you kind of go between them, um, you can run into a lot of problems uh, and a, a little bit of that, like I'll play devil's advocate for a minute to say like what the, the real concerns are um, that get sort of muddied with homophobia and so forth. But there is a difference in testing practices um, that I think is kind of stupid, but it's the way it is uh, like in gay porn it's a little bit of a don't ask, don't tell situation in regards to HIV. However, everyone uses condoms. That's beginning to change. Like some companies now require condoms and testing and all of this. But historically speaking, gay porn has been condoms, no testing. Straight porn has been, we test every 30 days and now it's every 14 days, but we don't use condoms. Um so a lot of people in the straight industry have this fear that 
if a guy does anything homosexual um, on or off camera, that they're going to bring HIV into the straight porn industry and, and disseminate it among the talent pool. Uh, so, I mean, that's, and that's based on a couple cases of this actually happening. Yeah. So I th- there's a little bit of, of validity to that. On the other hand, you know, even though I think like there are certain sections of society now that I think like doesn't give a shit what your, what your sexual identity is. Um, there, I think at, at large, we still have quite a bit of homophobia that just is in our culture. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's not really that different in the porn industry. I mean, it was, it's interesting to me that like porn is actually fairly conservative in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what to say. I mean, that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And I found that out very quickly. And um, I don't know. Like, I guess I guess you could say I'm bisexual or queer or whatever, um, though a lot of my relationships are, are fairly heteronormative. And so I was dating a fellow female performer near the beginning of my career and when I started to find out all this stuff. So it just seemed easier to do straight porn. Mm-hmm and kind of brush away the the first few scenes I had done that were gay or whatever. Later on, I tried to do um, some bisexual porn. I, I mean, I didn't try. I did some <laughs> bisexual porn. <laughs> and and uh, I was nearly blacklisted from the industry. I mean, one agency just cut me off entirely. Like, if, if any company booked me with one of their girls, for example, they would just cancel. Jesus. So it was a little bit scary at some points. And then, you know, um, the wolves that live in skin and space has a lot to do with like a, a relationship that that's fictional in the book, but it's based loosely on a number of, of brief relationships I had, um, while doing straight porn, uh, and sort of casually dating men and how that, even though I felt like I was in this sort of uh, accompanied or like the people I was really good friends with who are also doing porn. I felt like we're very socially progressive, um, and had very radical like sexual politics and still, I feel like I just didn't bring it up ever because, you know, people talk and I would, I would get, you know, my, my financial life. Right. Was fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's so shitty when you think about like, like ultimately what the industry needs is people being forthcoming and truthful so that everyone can make choices for their bodies and their businesses. But because of the homophobia and the racism and all the other like crap that goes into what you said, you know, a somewhat conservative industry, um, considering that everybody's naked, uh, ends up driving everybody into the closet and or hiding certain aspects of their lives and identities because like you said this is your livelihood and so if there's the opportunity that you're not going to be able to make rent if you're honest about this aspect of your life it kind of forces people to be in the closet which really sucks and honestly like hurts everybody in the long run of course yeah I mean I agree um but I yeah I don't really know what to do about it it's just I think it's you know, as long as there's that pushback, um, and they have, and they have like something like HIV and that gets in the, mm-hmm. the headlines, there's always going to be people who will be like, well, this is real and we can't do it and so forth. And, and it just kind of continues on. I don't know. Yeah. So I'm wondering, like for you, you have, you know, you had a number of years in porn and then because of things that were happening with your body and, and the ways that you were um, staying hard to be in porn, you had to leave porn and now you still kind of dabble in some sex work and you work with porn production and that kind of stuff. And I'm really wondering, like I noticed that so much of your art and your music 
also really includes a lot of your body. So your body is a big part of not only how you make money, but also how you express yourself in a lot of these different mediums that you're involved in. And I'm kind of wondering like how your relationship with your body has, has really like arced through first starting in porn to now, because it seems to be something that, that you really use to kind of connect with the world and to share yourself in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, I mean, early on, I think that was exciting and I was really into the performative aspects of, of porn uh, in a way that like I could correlate to maybe live music performance or performance art, even though I didn't really have a word for that back then. Um, just because it is a very physical thing that you're doing for an audience and it's not necessarily about, uh, your pleasure, but it has this kind of like catharsis associated with it, at least sometimes. And, um, around the time that I got into porn, especially like I was very into like underground heavy metal culture and things like that. And I was playing in bands and I still am though not as frequently. Um, so that all kind of made sense in this like mishmash way. I thought like, you know, like I enjoyed that aspect of it as I got older. Um, and especially after the end of my performance career, there was, I mean, it was basically I had to quit because of um, an addiction to ED drugs, mm-hmm. just like erectile dysfunction medication that I was using as like a performance enhancer. Uh, and and in the year or two after that, I dabbled in like some sex work that I really um, didn't enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm not doing much sex work at all these days except for in like a very like removed capacity in terms of like sometimes I'll do some private Skype shows or like I have an OnlyFans account which is just uploading like naked pictures and little videos and stuff like that but but I don't um, have any personal interaction with people uh, in the physical sense Mm -hmm. and and I think that both losing my career and then going through this process of, of doing what I felt was like something I wasn't interested in and which felt very kind of emotionally and physically draining. I started to just have a different feeling about, I mean, first of all, I'm just getting older. Second of all, I was making less money and I felt like I was putting my body through more stress and that, uh, that just put me in a pretty negative space. Mm -hmm. And so I think that some of the, the work I was doing like in an art sense around that time was, uh, I was just trying to deal with that in, in some sort of physical way. I think it's really interesting. And I think this kind of ties back to you talking about being burnt out on a lot of the advocacy work around like, porn is a great thing and there's ways to do porn that are super ethical and kind of this need to um, paint porn in a really positive light because we're trying to destigmatize and remove shame and, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, there's this, I don't know, I think there's something really interesting and important for us to hear in what you're talking about of, you know, sometimes all of us, regardless of what industry we're in, have to do work when we don't really like it. And maybe it's not the best choice for our body. Maybe it stresses us out and it can feel really bad when we're in it and trying to find different ways to find new work and new money. And, you know, that's just kind of part of capitalism. But then the vilification that comes from being associated with porn and how people really see porn kind of through either these rose colored glasses of, Oh, I would totally love that. It's a dream job or the opposite of porn is kind of the downfall of our society when it's actually much more complicated and nuanced, but we don't have a lot of space for these conversations and for this kind of storytelling that you're, you're offering around your experiences that I think like more of us need to be hearing. Um, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think that's kind of where I was 
I was feeling like, like when we talk about feminist porn and things like that, I think, like you said, there is this um, kind of pressure to say like everything about porn is empowering because um, there's a certain narrative we're trying to push because there's so much, there's already so much backlash. You know what I mean? We have, we have anti-porn feminism. We have anti-porn conservatism. We just have like a kind of like sort of slut shaming in the culture. So there's all this like sex negativity. And so if, if you're trying to be like, well, wait a minute, this is just a job. It's very easy to get in like this thing where you're being like, no, porn is great. Believe me, porn is great. Um, but you know, it's also just a job and like all jobs aren't great all of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and especially when you're using your body on a very regular basis and, um, and in the, in light of, the industry kind of post 2008, I would say getting like worse and worse in terms of um, how easy it is to make money. I think people can still make money in the industry, but it's uh, much more complicated. Like it's not as simple as I, I decide to be a porn star. I go and work for a bunch of companies and uh, I make tons of money and I go home and don't have to think about it. I mean, nowadays I think it's like, you have to be much more in control of your brand and of shooting your own content and posting it in different places and sort of subsidizing that with working for other people. Um, but there's just not enough work to go around. I mean, aside from the handful of people that become like real porn stars and I think become like household names, which is also very few these days. Um, everyone who's making it a living in porn is kind of doing a lot and that's not, that wasn't my experience first getting in. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people like, because it's, it's stigmatized in a certain way. Like I felt as like a 19 year old that <laughs> the deal was this like, all right, everyone thinks porn is stupid and it's not re- a real job. And it's just like having sex and people are going to get mad at me, et cetera, et cetera. But <laughs> I could make, really easy money and if I worked really hard like for example if I was a woman at the same time uh and worked every day of the month like I could put a down payment on a house really quick so who cares if like some guy says like I'm a slut or whatever like Mm -hmm. I bought a house but now that 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 the opportunity for that is also deteriorating it just seems like almost like what is the point Mm -hmm. um because you're just kind of getting bashed on both ends. So I'm wondering, because, you know, I think that's definitely a theme in in some of your work around, like, in your essay on the moral imperative to commodify our sexual suffering. Um, you know, you talk about, like, uh, Man Win and Mind Geek and Pornhub, which we've talked about a little bit on the show in the past, and and kind of this downfall of mainstream porn and how, like you said, now porn performers often have to do a variety of other kinds of work, like camming and um, having their own websites and selling clips, and and I'm wondering, like do you have any ideas of where maybe we go next as far as like our erotic content? Does porn just kind of keep becoming more and more mainstream until we're all doing it and consuming it? Or do you think you see some people who are doing really radical things and that might be where kind of the next swell of like erotic content's moving? I mean, there is just the general like, in a way I feel like it is more mainstream, but not in terms of, of the industry. I just feel like, you know, we all send nudes. We like a lot of us are, have made little sex clips with our partners. And so it seems like not that big of a deal to see stuff on Pornhub. I mean, you see a lot, a lot of times Pornhub actually does have like a, a way to pay people. Now they have like an amateur payment program. So there are like couples, for example, who upload these amateur videos and, and make a few thousand dollars a month or something like that. Um, but like in terms of an industry, 
I don't know. Like there are definitely people doing radical work and it's hard for me to say like whether they're succeeding or not. I think it's just, it's becoming like any other type of media from what I can tell in which we have more and more niche markets. So yeah, there's like a lot more porn out there. There's a lot more variety of porn. And if you want like really feminist porn or something in the complete opposite direction that's just like weird and it fits what you're into i mean i think you can find that now (laughs) um but i it's i think it's like in terms of making a substantial living or or even kind of a a decent middle class living um it's really difficult because the overhead is still pretty high if you want to be a company and pay out to, to talent and make videos and you have to deal with like crazy legal paperwork, at least in the United States. I think there's only like a couple of brands that are really killing it in that way. And, and that that's also kind of similar to how mainstream film works right now. Yeah. We just have superhero movies and like, like bare bones sort of indie movies. There aren't like, the $10 million indie movie anymore. It like barely exists. And I think the same thing could be said for porn. I mean, we never had the $10 million indie movie, but you don't <laughs> have like the kind of middle of the road stuff. I think it's like very amateur where it's just like one or two people doing everything. And then you have like, like browsers. Yeah. And there's not much in between that's like actually doing well that I can tell. You were talking about how, for you now, you've really moved away from any kind of in-person sex work and it's largely naked pictures and things like that for your fans and the occasional Skype session. And I'm wondering for you, would you like to move completely out of that space at some point or does still having some ties to being able to just kind of share yourself in that way feel like something you could see yourself doing for a while? Um, I would definitely like to move away from it eventually. I just think in terms of getting older, that's inevitable. Um, of course, like there's all sorts of people in the world and like, you know, some people want to see older men and women and so forth, but it's not, that's not really interesting to me. I mean, from a personal perspective, like me getting in and then getting older, like I, I don't know whether it's politically conscious or not like I fetishize the youth in that kind of way in my own youth um and so I'm not really interested in being like 40 years old and posting porn videos online but whatever um more power to the people who are yeah but it's not like where I'm at right now is not that much of a bummer for me like it's easy enough and I think when I when I see people really appreciate it that's cool um but I feel like my disposition is such that when I open myself up to like one-on-one interactions, I sort of seem to facilitate this desire on the other end for kind of emotional connection. And maybe I'm open to that very briefly, but that becomes such uh, labor <laughs> for me. Yeah. That I don't, it's hard for me to really continue that. And I just don't really want to open that up anymore. I feel like, I'm, tr- I'm definitely trying to get away from that, at least. Yeah. One of the things that I think is really interesting is people who do sex work often end up experiencing sex so different from everyone else that's not in sex work. And, you know, I hear from thousands of people who write in questions and share stories around places where they're stuck. And, you know, for a lot of people, they're either not having enough sex. And so it feels like this thing that they're chasing and it takes up a lot of time, the pain that they're experiencing, chasing the sex that they're not having, or they're feeling ashamed of the types of sex that they want to be having. And I'm wondering for you, like having done sex work and had all these experiences with performers and on camera and privately, like how has your relationship to sex in your own life changed, if at all? because of all your experiences? Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, that's a little bit complicated. I mean, it's gone in a lot of different directions. I can basically say at this point, um, I got into a monogamous relationship about a year and a half ago that I think is um, incredibly fulfilling <laughs> for me at this point in time. And it, it really makes sense for my life right now. And I would say our, our sex is great and it's not, um, it's not like especially kinky or like I have to go through all these things. Like I used to have this fear in my head that doing all of this sex work would, would make me kind of jaded and I'd have to like seek out like more extreme stuff. But I don't really find that that's the case. I mean, to a certain degree, like we are into like rough sex and we do like, I guess we check off the list of like normal stuff. That's a little dirty, like anal sex or something, but I don't, I don't think things like that are really that weird at this point in time. Um, but I don't know. I, I just feel like I came to the conclusion that I want something that's a little bit more conventional, honestly, like, like after spending the entirety of my twenties, like doing sex work and being in relationships that were sometimes emotionally monogamous, but we're always sexually open. Um, I, I was just sort of yearning for something that had some stability. And right now I have that. And I really, I really kind of cherish that. Um, and it's interesting for me, because a lot of times if I'm invited, say, to be on a panel or something that has to do with sex and a lot of the, the people who show up to these things, I think are going through shame or they're trying to find other people who are into what they're into. And I don't I don't even know what to say to them because I feel like that's just not <laughs> it's just not where my head's at. And I like I don't care about trying to find like a poly community or swingers or get involved in like a bdsm community it's like i I really don't want to be like inundated by by that stuff i want to (laughs) be i want to get i just want to be in my own little relationship that works and but at the same time like you know i i was given the opportunity to experience basically everything within like 19 to 28 or something and so I totally understand if like you have the opposite experience, like and you're trying to find something that's sexually fulfilling. I mean, go for it. I don't really know where to find that though. <laughs> like you just, there's people out there. I think with the internet, it has to be easier than ever before. Yes. I make that, that offering to listeners frequently that no matter how obscure or different your fetish or interest may be because of the internet. I promise there are others in the world who have the same thing going on. (laughs) And I also just really appreciate, you know, um, I, I think it's really interesting because I move in a lot of sex positive circles. And so of course I bring a lot of people on the show who are moving in those circles that there has been this really big kind of bubbling up of conversations around polyamory and non-monogamy and, you know, opening to your kinks. And I think all of that is wonderful because I want people to know that they have options. And so if something doesn't feel like a good fit, you shouldn't feel ashamed of, of wanting to find something that is a good fit. But I think sometimes too, there's so much cheerleading for, um, you know, all of these various ways that we can be experiencing life that sometimes we forget that it can be really sexy and amazing and lovely and fulfilling to also be in monogamous relationships that aren't full of lots and lots of kinky adventures and that don't involve other people. And I love that you're offering that for you right now, where you are, being in a monogamous relationship where you have great sex on your terms and being able to like really cherish that connection feels really good and, and satisfying to you. And I think sometimes we don't hear enough of that from people who have kind of a sex positive background. So I love that you have found something that feels really good. And I love that you're sharing that with us. 
<laughs> well, thank you. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I mean, I've also say just with my partner, we've, uh, we've talked about the idea that say like, if we'd like to change that in the future, that the conversation is at least on the table. But yeah, I think like a lot of people are in these types of relationships and maybe that's just culturally expected, but you know, sometimes it's just cause you like it. I yeah. think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit, I know you have a new book that's coming out um, again through Rare Bird and the Body to Job book. And I haven't had a chance to review it yet, but I will be pinging Julia for that at some point. Um, But the reviews on Amazon from the folks who have had a chance to check it out, like Gabby Dunn and Cindy Gallup and Tyler Knight and Jiz Lee, the reviews are really really powerful and intense and I'd love to hear a little bit about kind of the stories and what parts of you are in that book. Um, sure. I mean, this book initially started as me just pitching rare bird, like a short story collection to, to tide them over until like I had another novel. And then, uh, we discussed that further and it ended up turning into me like, writing a whole bunch of new stuff. Like I had some, some short stories that I had posted on my blog and they're really just autobiographical accounts of my life in porn. And, you know, some of them were emotional. Some of them were just like this weird thing happened. Um, but once I talked to rare bird, it seemed like what I wanted to do and what they wanted to do was for me to flesh this out into something that really was, an autobiography of my, my time in the adult industry. And especially, and I think what was maybe more interesting is what happens right after. But again, I find that when I'm reading a lot of stuff, I, I see like a lot of people putting out porno memoirs lately. I don't know a lot, but there's enough that like, it's a thing now. And I started to be like, well, my story's, you know, they're personal to me, but there's a certain amount of like these tropes that we see end up in these stories over and over again. And I really didn't want to get caught in that. And I think just the style I had developed with, uh, with the wolves that live in skin and space is taking starting in reality and, and kind of moving into this magical realism and this sort of <laughs> uh, extreme place that, is kind of representative of how I was feeling and, you know, has bits of what actually happened, but just, just goes way off the deep end. And I found that that was just made the experience fun. So if I'm recounting something that's, you know, hard for me to deal with and, and I just take it and like move it in such an extreme direction, it makes it a little bit more creative and fun for me. And, and that's basically what this book is. It's it's a memoir that towards the last third of the story, I think, um, goes into like some very dark and, and maybe horrific places. <laughs> I'm noticing a theme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's actually interesting because when I was reading your essay um, on the moral imperative, I was like, it's just like reading it like, oh, OK, this is you know, a non-fictional account of, of your experiences in your life and your story and how you got into porn. And then like, I started getting these like, "Mm, I don't know if this is still real. And if it is, it's really fucked up. And then like, it just got to a point where I was like, oh, clearly we've moved into something else now. And it started getting really like dark. And I think what's really interesting about you is when you move into these darker places, and this is clear in Wolves and also in your essay and also in your short film, uh, Danny Wilde, that you did, there's like, it's like you're not afraid to say the things that everyone is afraid to say. So you're not afraid to mention, you know, like, 
libertines of old being really interested in fucking kids or you're not afraid to talk about um i don't know just like these these things that are culturally super scary and people even don't even want to say the words and then you come in and you just like drop them so casually which kind of adds i think to the discomfort a little bit in the horror and then you know talking about like necromancy and death and snuff films and and i think there's something like really brave about that and also I think scary for people to even just see those words on the page and to know you're just kind of like I'm putting these these things out there that make all of us uncomfortable so let's just see how how far we can go into that it's really it's something I haven't seen um, I'm not a horror fan so maybe maybe it's more common than I think but um, and there's definitely something very unique in the way you kind of pull people from reality into these really um, squicky places but kind of effortlessly you don't really notice when it happens and you're just suddenly someplace different yeah I mean I like I like that though I, like I mean you can tell at the end hmm. when, we're, when we're definitely in fiction but I don't, <laughs> I don't think that you can tell the switch you know what I mean yeah there is some like I'm not just the first person to do this I think that there's other people that have come before I mean one of my favorite authors his name is Dennis Cooper he kind of comes from this queer punk like late 80s early 90s type of thing where he was writing about um really extreme kind of sexual stuff but always in a very emotional place that I think was coming from I think for him it was like youth culture and the, the kind of extreme emotional place we find ourselves in as teens trying to deal with our sexuality and love and, and things like that. And um, I don't know, whenever I'm thinking of a story, it's, it usually comes from a moment of conflict. And because a lot of my stuff has, a lot of my stories have to do with sex work and porn and all of that. Um, and in my experience, of either clients or people in the industry where 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 people start to reveal like I think like their secrets and and their sexual desires I mean it can get like really weird and uh, <laughs> I don't know I, I I just find like that's you know some of it is just being provocative but at the same time like that's interesting to me to to deal with those extreme cases and, and like kind of the the bottom of the hole, emotionally speaking, that where I've been in the industry and in sex work and all of that. But I think in, in my new book, Body to Job, you'll also see the opposite of that. You'll see like the high points and the parts that I think were really good to me in the industry. Because I don't want to say that like porn was just like a piece of shit and like it. <laughs> nothing because that's not true sure I, I a lot of my identity now and my experience and, and friends and so forth have come from that so i uh, um i think in a lot of ways it was good but you know that's not to me that's not like just a, that's not a good story to say like oh i did porn it was great <laughs> at the end yeah <laughs> I know you just said that porn has now informed so much of your friends and your experiences and your identity. And, you know, one of the things I didn't want to do was to start with you telling the story you've told a thousand times of how old you were when you got into porn and what those first scenes were like and then why you got out. And because I'm sure that's the thing that everybody most wants to ask you about, because when you do porn, everybody wants to ask you about what it's like to do the porn. Um, but I'm wondering, like, do you want porn to continue to be a part of your identity and why people really know you? Or is there a point when you would like for that to be much less significant part of your personal identity and also your public identity and how people know you? Um, personally, if I'm going to be completely honest, I would like to move beyond that at some point. Uh, however, a lot of the work that I've done in the past two over the past two years, for example, uh, which is going to culminate in body to job and even some unreleased work that 
I'm not going to talk about yet, but, um, <laughs> I think I'm trying, like people do know me as Danny wild or like, at least that was at some point and, and probably still is like the reason most people know who I am. And so I think I wanted to exploit that in my own capacity to be like, well, that's just the way it is. I mean, I'm on Pornhub with like millions of views. I mean, maybe not everyone recognizes my name, but like, you know, it's out there. So that's something I can work with to kind of springboard into something else, which is, you know, I enjoy writing. I like to tell stories. I feel like I'm okay at it at least. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's something I'd like to do much more of. So for the time being to kind of like play with both of those identities in a way that makes sense uh, right now, because I don't think people really know me as a writer, except for like my really hardcore fans. Um, I'm just trying to get to bring those two worlds together. I'd like to move beyond them, but right now, like it seems relevant. It seems like um, that story I think after body to job and maybe a little bit after that, it may be that story might be done. But for right now, um, you know, I'm trying to hype it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make it work for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I was reading this article that you've linked to a couple of times about the hot sauce that you're working oh, yeah. on. And um, one of the things that was in that article by Vice, so I'll link to it on Sex Gets Real for everyone who wants to read it. But um, your, I don't know, the person who's making the hot sauce, I guess like your co-creator of the hot sauce. Um, Words are literally failing my brain right now. (laughs) Um, But we'll just keep moving on and pretend like I'm smart. Uh, So he was talking about how, you know, porn performers kind of traditionally have won this like quote unquote expiration date because youth and certain types of bodies are very valued by the industry as a whole. And then also just because of the stigma of doing porn, so many sex workers and performers can't leave the industry because they're considered unhirable. Right. And so, you know, people really struggle with letting folks who have done porn or sex work forget that they've done porn or sex work. Um, and so that was one of the kind of points of conversation that the two of you had had that then led to creating this hot sauce. And I'm wondering, like, is this another way for you to kind of take control and say, like, here's a story that you know me for, but now I'm going to use that story to create new things that are interesting to me on my terms. <laughs> Um, I wish that that was true. That's <laughs> uh, with the hot sauce in particular, I mean, it's turned into something way different than what it was initially. <laughs> but yeah, I have a hot sauce called Wildfire. Um, the guy you're talking about, his name is Chef Royce Burke. He's a real chef. He just opened a restaurant. Well, it's a kind of a walk-up place that also you can order from on Uber Eats and so forth. Uh, but anyway... He's an amazing chef. He's like the real thing. We have a mutual friend who is an artist. Uh, well, I guess she. They they just transitioned. Oh, okay. So she's she. Um, and Luca, this artist, kind of came up with this idea out of a, what was initially a joke, and now it's like a real a thing. thing. We, did, we did all of the things, and... Uh, it's kind of amazing, and I think the hot sauce is actually good, which is, which is what makes it like real. Because I think it was the novelty thing. Like there was this joke that I was a, I'd quit porn to become a DJ because like that's, kind of the most generic like thing you could do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but then met a. a of chef in Palm Springs, and we decided to make a hot sauce. But like we did. And <laughs> But um, in this one case, it, it was less my idea. I just kind of ran with what everyone else wanted to do, and I think it's a lot of fun. And we've made a few really silly commercials, and um, 
I don't know. I hope people enjoy it. Like we're trying to get stores and stuff. I'm kind of in love that this started as a joke and now it's like a thing and people are like, hey, this actually is pretty good. <laughs> oh, yeah. I I have watched a few of like the hot sauce challenges and the YouTube channel with the guy who, you know, eats hot sauce with famous people. And Oh, um, right. Yeah. And so we got the Mad Dog 357, which is 357,000 Scovilles for people who know their hot peppers. And like, it tastes like ass and like, not in the kind of ass you want to eat because you're super turned on. Like, I mean, it's bad. And so even though it's really hot and you're in lots of pain, there's literally not a single part of it that's enjoyable because the flavor is so bad. And I saw people talking about your hot sauce and saying that it actually like has a really good flavor. And so I'm looking forward to trying it. And when I do, I would be happy to promote it on the show because I always look forward to tasty, spicy things. So good for you on making one that actually tastes pretty good. <laughs> well, I'll talk to Royce and see if we can hook it up for you. Oh. I think that would be wonderful. Um, it's hot. It's like hotter than Tabasco and Sriracha and all that stuff. I don't know if it's as hot as the one you just talked about, but it's also a different, like I wasn't sure what to expect when he was making this. And, um, I'm used to a lot of like the kind of Mexican style hot sauces that you put on tacos and so forth. Mm -hmm. I feel like he has like a Filipino background, I believe, or at least makes a lot of Filipino food. And I feel like this hot sauce is geared towards that, but I use it on eggs and on like hot dogs and stuff like that too. And I think it's really good, but I, I kind of don't like it on Mexican food. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll just have to try it on all the things and see where it works best. But yeah, that's cool. And like random, right? I'm sure at no point did you think I am going to be a writer and a musician and a hot sauce connoisseur. Yeah, not at all. It's going all right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm wondering, um, for folks who want to kind of stay in touch with you, check out your essays, get alerted when Body to Job hits the shelves, um, how can people stay in touch with you and kind of see all the cool stuff that you're up to? Well, I have a website, and it's my name. ChristopherZyshag.com, but I feel like that's incredibly difficult to spell. And so I'm going to direct you to my social media accounts, which are twitter.com slash Danny Wild, Wild spelled W-Y-L-D-E. You can find me on Instagram, the same thing. It's at Danny Wild. Um, and you'll have links to my website there. And if you're like super interested, um, I just set up a mailing list and I'm going to be giving away like free books and merch and stuff I think every month um and I actually have a a cool surprise that's coming out next month which is like a a little re-release of something else uh I guess my first book um is going to be re-released in updated form so I think that'll be pretty cool awesome. and that's that's going to happen prior to Body to Job being released so cool. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's about it. Cool. So for everybody listening, I will, of course, have links to all the things on Sex Gets Real for this episode. And be sure to join the mailing list so that you can potentially, like, get cool stuff and see what Chris is up to. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your stories and and talking about your writing and kind of where you're headed with all of your cool projects. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And to everybody listening, be sure to head to sexgetsreal.com and grab all of Chris's links. Of course, if you have any comments or questions about this episode or anything that you'd like me to share on a future episode, you can use the contact form there. I love hearing from you. And until next time, this is Dawn Sarah. Bye.